Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Undivided here on the Life Coach Radio Network, which is brought to you by Audible.com. That's Audible.com for everything spoken audio for audiobooks, audio, radio, and TV program versions, magazines, and online periodicals and speeches for everything spoken audio. It's audible.com. Head to the website now and type in Life Coach Radio Network in the code to win some exciting prizes. That's audible.com, the sponsor of tonight's show. And welcome in, everyone, to Undivided, episode number 24. We are live here at 7 p.m. on the East Coast here in New Jersey at Life Coach Radio Network. I'm your host, Frank J. Maduri. And before we begin tonight's episode, episode 24, The Cultural Divide, our disclaimer for the program, as we always do at some point during the program, especially tonight, which, you know, could be a charged topic for certain people, the disclaimer is as follows. The views of tonight's show may not necessarily be the views of myself as the host, Frank Maduri, and the views of my guest, in this case tonight, Pam Winholtz and certainly is not the views or could be the views of Life Coach Radio Network. So now that disclaimer, the disclaimer is out of the way. Tomorrow we find ourselves at the first day of summer, and I don't know about you, but it feels like summer already here the last couple days in New Jersey, very hot, very humid days, setting ourselves up for the summer. And we just came out of uh, the weekend here, Father's Day, I hope for all the fathers out there, to my dad and all fathers out there, happy Father's Day. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. As we head into summer and the summertime programs here on Life Coach Radio Network, which we will promote shortly, and here at Undivided with my guests as the summer unfolds. But tonight we talk about the cultural divide. It's a show that I've wanted to do for a long time. I was seeking the right time and the right guest and things as they work out. You know, you trust the process and you trust God's plan and things work out in the order of time. So we have this show for you tonight. And I'm really excited to bring that to you and very blessed to have the opportunity to do so. The show tonight is going to look at this divide in our society based on culture. And culture is a very powerful thing. It has an effect on us all, and it could certainly have an effect on communities. People feel like a wedge is drive between them. Culture influences your views, your values, your perspectives. Culture could be different by nation or by religion. Culture can be relative to your environment and how you treat the environment, both the environment around you and plants and wildlife and so forth. Culture shapes the customs and a person's outlook and perspectives on life. Culture has a direct impact on the hopes and fears of people. Cultural diversity is an avenue that we're going to talk about tonight. And the fact that the media and the role of the media and the role of society in making us focused on the differences there, the differences in culture, instead of looking at the common traits, what we hold together to be in unity with one another. Cultural diversity can also be looked at versus cultural erosion. There are some people that feel that the homogenation of culture is leading to an erosion of culture that's not good for our society as a whole. Monoculture, as it's been related to. Globalization has also done that. We talk so much about you know, breaking down the barriers and, and, and globalization with trade, globalization with economies of scale, but that's fractured our cultural diversity. And also technology impacts that. We're going to talk to Pam tonight about that, how technology impacts culture, how technology has 
made people more alike and not able to celebrate their differences, seeking to not elevate cultural customs, but to look at it in a different lens, to want things that the, the world wants you to have, that society wants you to have, instead of celebrating who you are and where you come from. It's being used as a wedge to drive people apart. And tonight we're going to talk about how we can navigate that subject, provide a new perspective for people out there to live in harmony and unity, as we always do here on Undivided. So with that, I'm going to get Pam up here in a second. Pam Winholtz is uh, blessed to have her join the program tonight as our special guest to lend her experience to this. She certainly knows this firsthand, building those bridges between cultures. Uh, Pam served in the military as a veteran. She's lived in Spain. She's hosted four foreign exchange students that were high school age. And she took a year-long sabbatical at one point to visit four continents and 28 countries backpacking, staying with local people, staying with people she had met, and experiencing life, truly experiencing life in other countries. Pam is a certified professional coach, as am I. Uh, she became a professionally trained leadership coach. She helps veterans now transition from military life into the business world. Her uh, coaching practice is called Dare to Dream Bigger. And we thank Pam for coming on tonight. We're going to bring her up now. Hi, Hello? Frank. Thank you for having me. Hi, Frank. Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely, Pam. Welcome to Undivided. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show, Frank. Sure. So, you know, we start every program, as I mentioned in the introduction, talking tonight about the cultural divide. And it's something that is very multifaceted. So in this first segment that we call the divide on the show, we're going to be looking at that in its current situation, if you will. The divided culture has been present in society for a long time. It's deep-rooted. How did the concept of cultural differences become such a barrier to unity? You know, I ask myself the same question. And what my personal opinion is it comes down to fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the differences, fear of, fear of change. I can't think of anything else because we have so many things in common with so many other people. And having traveled so much, I have to say, the world as a whole, I truly believe, is a wonderful place. There are so many kind, wonderful people. They may look differently than us. They may eat different foods. They may speak a different language. They may do things that are unfamiliar. But in the end, we are more alike than we are different. So I believe the only the only differences that have become a barrier is our own fear. That's true. And I've said that on this show before, and I've said that in our conversations leading up to the program, uh, you know, the old Google commercial, I think it was, we are more alike than we run alike. And I've mentioned that before on the show and, and the common theme of some of these episodes as we've taken on different topics, the grassroots, the first steps, things that we sort of boil everything down to uh, becomes community and becomes um, harmony and becomes getting to know your neighbors and, you know, getting to uh, connection with them so that you'll, you know, obviously you care about someone you're connected to. And fear is the thing that is the polar opposite of that, that pulls that apart. So I, mm -hmm. I completely understand where you're coming from there and, and think that it really is a, a significant barrier to to the unity that we seek to achieve. The other one that I mentioned in the open uh, to the show tonight is technology. You know, some some people feel that technology has forged new pathways. It certainly has mm -hmm. new understandings of cultural differences. Okay, with social media, mm -hmm. etc. 
Others will argue that it served to deepen those feelings of division, further isolating people. What is the role of technology or social media in forging harmonies among cultures? You know, I'm glad you asked that because that is a very good question. Technology has changed everything. And it can make the world such a smaller place. As a matter of fact, when I was in Botswana, in Africa, I was standing by a mud hut. It was made out of reeds and mud. And they had a TV. They had a satellite uh, with an extension cord that ran from outside in. But so they had access as well as to what's going on in the world. And it's so interesting because oftentimes Americans will say to me, well, well, there's two things. They'll say, oh, you're traveling overseas and you're American. Everybody thinks you're rich. And I have to remind them, we are rich. We are so rich. We have running water and, and it's hot and the electric works when we turn it on. But that also means people who are less fortunate that may not have all the niceties and the luxuries we have, they do have phones. And they do have TVs, and so they are aware of what could be. You know, people who don't have plumbing, indoor plumbing, or they don't have electricity, they can see Americans that, you know, some of the shows we have and how easy it is and how rich we are going out to dinner and fancy clothes and fancy cars and fancy everything. And so that can be a downside because people know they're the have-nots. And if we have the haves and the have-nots, we're automatically going to have conflict if the haves don't want to give it up to help the have-nots, in essence. But there's a lot of good that comes from this as well, because we can keep in touch with people so easily, and we can make friends. Um, someone can go on the Internet and play a game with someone from a whole different country and maybe not even know it, who they're conversing with. And then they can find out later and so just because someone lives in another country doesn't mean they're less capable or less anything than someone in this country. Um, they can play games just like we can. And maybe that's the way we can forge these, these cultural bridges. Because it's not scary if it's a friend, right? So, right. That's remarkable that, that Botswana there's a TV. Well, that's what we think. Now, it was only one for the whole village, <laughs> and they rarely use them. Um, another instance, I was in India. You know, India gets a bad rap for a lot of good reasons, but I went anyway, and I went by myself, and blonde hair, blue-eyed. Um, I look American. I look Western for sure. And yet, when my driver invited me to come to his house and meet his wife and children, I said yes. And I'm so glad I did because I got to see how they live. They too had a TV, a very small TV, like a handheld. Um, and they only brought it down for soccer games. They didn't spend time watching TV. They spent time with each other. That's true. That's a whole different way of life. The spending time together, uh, spending time as a family. Uh, spending time with your extended families, and we've had that discussion mm -hmm. on this uh, show before for, you know, other topics that we've had on. It recently was a topic of a homily when I was at church because the priest was explaining about how, you know, in America, that's changed a lot because now we have a lot of activities on Sundays for kids, sports, and recreational activities that used to not be present and, and that whole families lived in, especially in the big cities like Philadelphia and New York, they're all within a few blocks of each other and they can gather you know, very easily. And now it's, you know, grandma lives in Florida or, you know, grandpa lives in Maryland or uh, North Carolina or wherever. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to gather as an extended family. So it's really an interesting uh, set of, uh, anecdotes that you shared, you know, about people have this uh, perception of certain areas overseas, whether it be Africa, whether it be India, like you said, they give, these places get a bad rap. That's essentially what it is. And, and they don't think that these people are connected in any way uh, to the outside world. 
uh, that they mm-hmm. use for remote living. And that's changed, you know, that's maybe a positive from, from technology, but like I've said on this show before, you know, Facebook and some of social media is very stagehand. And, you know, these shows are showing and displaying affluence and people mm-hmm. that aren't really truly like a lot of people that are living their day-to-day lives here either. So there's, there, that can mm-hmm. still drive a, a functional, you know, disconnect. We're at 7.15. Believe it or not, we're live. It's, uh, it goes by fast. We're at our 15-minute break here on our program, and we'll get back to Undivided Episode 24, The Cultural Divide, in a moment where we'll continue uh, speaking with our special guest this evening, Pam Winholtz, on The Cultural Divide and about her travels and her experiences. Upcoming shows here on the networks of Life Coach Radio, Sisters of the Diaspora, comes your way Thursday, June the 20th. That's tomorrow. Thursday, June 20th, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's Sisters of the Diaspora. Thursday, June 20th, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Trina Ramsey and the gals back at you with a brand new episode. Again, Thursday, June 20th, 7 p.m. Eastern here on the Life Coach Radio Networks. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. That's Catholic Charities, 800 919 org. Enter your zip code to donate in your local community. Or as we've said the last couple of weeks, an idea my friend gave me, Google search your home state, type in the most impoverished zip codes, and enter that zip code to donate to people that are really in desperate need. We're back here on Undivided Episode number 24, The Cultural Divide. And with us is Pam Winholtz. I can't believe it's Episode 24. We are live here on the 20th of June in New Jersey. So, Pam, uh, back to what we were talking about before the 15-minute break that we had, some of what you had shared. And we were talking about technology and social media and that role. The other thing that I alluded to in the opening of the show and that we've talked about and I've talked about uh, very frequently on this show is the mainstream media. I call them the fear machine. We've talked about it several times on this program with different guests about different subjects. Mainstream media plays a role, you know, the fear machine, making us afraid of anyone who is quote-unquote different than we are. How do we combat this trend which only seems to be increasing with the 24-hour news cycle? Well, the short answer, in my opinion, is turn off the news. Because the, the role that they have is to sell newspapers or to get subscriptions or what have you. That may be very different than the goals we have as human beings to get along with people or to get outside and play or what have you. Um, and if they keep people fearful... People don't go away. They just stay tuned to the TV. They stay at home. It's a good way of controlling people because when people are afraid, they tend to curl into themselves, if that makes sense. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny because I was thinking of an example of this. Um, one of the people I met while I was traveling was a Canadian girl who was actually attacked by a polar bear. She was doing everything right. She went home. She was with a group of people. It was early morning. They had their bear spray. They had the noisemakers. They went in a group. And a polar bear, since this was in Churchill, Manitoba, Canada, polar bear capital of the world, a polar bear happened to be looking for food, saw the group of people, put its eyes on her. Her friend saw it coming and said, run. And when she turned, the polar bear was on her and had her in his mouth. And after the whole incident, she lived, somebody um, came out, a multitude of people came out to help her, beeping horns, shooting off guns, finally got rid of the polar bear. And she was applying for a job, and she heard people discussing this on the radio saying that she'd asked for it. It was her own fault. And she finally came to terms with it that the person who had said this was a mother of young children And she came to the conclusion, the reason the mother said this without even knowing her was fear. 
And it was fear of, if I do everything right, my kids could be eaten by a polar bear. So if she was able to blame the victim in this case, that she'd asked for it, she didn't have to be afraid for her children. And, I, and that's how she was able to get through life not worrying about her children, according to my friend. So it's very interesting to see sometimes fear protects people from things they can't control and blame it on someone else. Does that make sense? That does. I think that we have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to, you know, blame someone else, you know, when things kind of go sideways on us or, or blame, you know, oh, well, because I've heard it on the news that it's got to be real. And we've started to find out that that's not necessarily the case. You know, the other mm-hmm. thing that we've talked about, you and I, prior to coming on and that I've mentioned on this show before is that this is not a political show and I don't want it to be a political show. So those that are listening that are thinking about calling in, there's a, there's an essence of, of almost any topic that could become political. This one kind of touches mm-hmm. on some things that, you know, could be, that's only serves to, in my mind, alienate people, people um, to be very strong in their beliefs one way or another. And I think we can have a lot more dialogue on just how we're alike versus how we're different. So that's one of the reasons why I tend not to go there. But but there is some of that, you know, I do it myself because I, I do some news writing and I've worked in with different people in, in different news media. Uh, and I've seen that, that there has been, you know, certain organizations that don't do things, you know, uh, with integrity or on the level, and there's certain organizations that do. Uh, I know people mm-hmm. that have interviewed with different organizations and have some really powerful things come out of that. So I think that the, that the polar bear example is a great story, number one. Uh, to, to, and number two, it really illustrates how we separate that, how, how you combat that trend, you know, what, what fear can do versus what you can do when you disconnect yourself from it, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. When you served in the military, you know, you served in the military, and uh, I want to know, I know we talked about this you know, a little bit, but I never really asked you, so I wanted to ask you tonight. Were you treated differently during your service because of any cultural bias? And so that's, that's the one part of the question, the next question. And then when you traveled after your service time, obviously it was up and you went and traveled and did certain things. And then when you went on your trip, the, the sabbatical trip around the world, did you experience any cultural bias or backlash because you served in the military? So it's a two-part question. Um, you could tackle the first part and the second or however you'd like to do it. Okay. Well, uh, the question about being treated differently because of any cultural bias, the biases I experienced in the military were completely because I was female. And when I was in, only 7% of enlisted folks were female. I, it was a great place to date, though. I will admit that. But, <laughs> uh, you know, some people felt like women did not belong there. Uh, some people still feel like that. And so every single day when I went in, I knew I was not wanted by a segment of people. I knew that they thought I was not capable. I was less than. Um, And that was very difficult because I grew up in the country and if something needed to be done, you just do it. But that's not how other people saw it. And I remember having a discussion with someone. I was the person in charge of the mail room and we had the same amount of stripes and we had a conversation and he insisted he should make more money than I should because he's male. And, um, you know, he wouldn't be convinced any other way. And I wouldn't be convinced any other way. So we had to just accept that we felt differently about it. He was a great guy and a good friend other than uh, we could never cross that divide. And we had to learn just to live with it and know we had different opinions. Uh, but that was the cultural bias I had while in the military. Now, When I traveled afterwards, I did not have any kind of backlash because no one knew I was in the military. Even when I was stationed in Spain, we did not wear uniforms outside the base. You only wore your uniform to get home or get back. You didn't stop at the store. 
because um, there were some political thoughts on that base and some people didn't want it there. And so we just didn't advertise your military. However, the fact that I look like an American um, and I would wear sneakers, it was pretty obvious to kick me out in a crowd. Sure. Happened to me when I internationally traveled also. You know, we were easy to pick out. <laughs> and uh, I apologize. I, I, I want to thank you for your service. I meant to do that earlier. And I also want to apologize for any bias that you experienced because of your gender. We've done a couple shows on gender, so it's a big uh, hot-button issue for me. Um, mm. I think that that's not right that people get treated differently for any reason. But we've talked about mm-hmm. gender a lot on this show and have done some shows around that. Um, so I apologize for that, for any, any backlash you may have received. Um, and you're right, it still sadly does continue today as we look at what's going on in the news with B2 and what's going on with some other things right now. Um, and that's a really unfortunate. Uh, but thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your experiences there. Um, what is the most common misperception on cultural quote unquote differences that you experienced in your background, either hosting exchange students or through your international travels, or maybe there's, it's both. Maybe you have an antidote from one or the other uh, from Mm -hmm. both sides of those experiences. Well, it's very interesting because as I traveled, the most common question I received was, do I have a gun in my home? And people would ask if I was afraid to live in this country. Because as it turns out, we are a very violent country other than countries that are at war. But we do have a lot of violence. So it was interesting. That was the the number one question. Um, And then everybody thinks we're rich. And then I have to remind Americans, we, we are rich. We can drink our water. Uh, it's so interesting. In Nepal, for example, um, it was the hardest country for me to travel in because it's so remote. But it made one of the biggest impacts on me because they don't have stop signs, street signs, stop lights. Um, they have a couple on one road. But, you know, trying to find your way back to your house is difficult because there's no street signs. So if you ask a cab or, you know, they don't know where to go either. You have to direct them. So you just drive along, stop, ask somebody, drive along a few more blocks, stop, ask somebody, drive along, ask somebody else. But it was so interesting um, because of that, because they don't have electricity 24-7. They have electricity about three hours a day, twice a day someone turns it on when it's supposed to be on. So you get it in the middle of the night and then during the day. So, you know, I wanted to make sure I was back at my residence before dark, not because I was afraid something would happen to me or hurt me, but I was afraid I might trip or over a pothole or over a rock, let alone the fact trying to find something in the dark because it's so, so dark that you can't see your hand in front of your face. And this is a city of... I believe it's three Kathmandu. I believe it's three million people. It's so poor they wow. don't even have a McDonald's in the whole city because it can't support it. Wow. It's just a, a poor. As a matter of fact, it's so poor that India donates to Nepal. And when people have children in Nepal, they know their child is more than likely going to move away out of the country. Because the number one income is remittances from abroad. Because it's in the Himalayas. There are no jobs. Or there's very few. So, you know, it was interesting. And then going back to the question when you asked about the role of technology and social media. Well, I was in Nepal right before the earthquake hit. And I just left a few weeks before. And I was able to hear from people I still knew in Nepal. And I could say, are you okay? And I remember an acquaintance said, I'm fine. I'm living in the street with my family. We have a tent. But the village, nobody can get to. And I'm thinking, my gosh, she's living on the street under a tent. And he's looking out 
for somewhere else. The roads were impassable, um, but he could get a motorbike up there if he had enough money to go get rice. And so the money they needed, it's not to live off for the rest of their life. It's just until they have enough food until they can get that road open so they can get rice. And it sounds so simple in our country because we have great infrastructure. But over there, you know, you can't even get up the road with food or water. So, yeah, it was very, very eye-opening. And what core means in another country is very different than what it means in this country. Core in another country means you may not live. You may not have enough food. Um, you know, and, and going back to Africa again, that was another and I love talking about this. Uh, I went to Zimbabwe and I was talking to a local woman and she finally invited me to her house to watch them eat. So of course I said, yes. And I asked if I could bring a couple of friends I had just made. And she was so generous. And we watched them. There were 11 people and we watched what they had for dinner and how they survived. And, you know, it's so interesting because a poor country might be thinking on a daily basis, how am I going to eat this evening? How am I going to feed my children tomorrow? Europe lives maybe a couple of weeks in advance, a couple of weeks in advance. But the United States thinks about how am I going to retire? We live decades in advance, and we worry so much about what's going to happen when we're in our 60s and how to support ourselves for the rest of our lives. Oftentimes, we miss living today. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, if we have time, I'll tell you a little bit about a cultural difference when I went to a mosque in Turkey. And so I was staying with a local, okay, I was staying with a local family and the mother was religious. She prays five times a day. And before I went, I was, I was a little afraid. You know, what we see on the TV here is there's a TV, uh, a camera, it goes into a mosque. We see a whole bunch of people, men, all lined up with their backsides in the air. They look over like they're mad, which would make sense. They're having a religious service and someone's coming in with a camera and interrupting them. And I thought when you heard the call to prayer, I thought it meant it was a demand to get in here and pray. And she taught me that what it really was is a call of don't forget to be thankful. Don't forget to be thankful. Come in and be thankful. So, of course, she would go to the mosque um, or at home, depending where she was. But if she was near the mosque, she'd go to the mosque. So she invited me to go with her. And I was a little scared. I was intimidated because I'm a Westerner and I had no idea what to expect. So my first thought, I took off my shoes on the outside and saw all these shoes. And I, my first thought was, I wonder if anyone steals shoes. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm not even in there, and I'm thinking of sin. <laughs> so I went in, and it was segregated between men and women. And I thought I would sit in the back and observe. Well, she took me right up to the front, all the way up to the front. And so, you know, she gave me some beads. And as you go through, you pray to Allah. And there's, I believe there were 99 of them. And so I went through being thankful. I wasn't exactly sure what to do, so I just did the best that I could with what I thought was right. And I would take each one, and I would think about what I was grateful for and and be so thankful that I had a supportive family and good health and so on. And I looked around as well. It was this beautiful building. There was actually a fountain inside. It was so peaceful. And in the back, I could hear a couple of women. There were three of them, just very quiet but kind of chatting amongst themselves. And so when I left, I asked a friend about why the women would be in there chatting. It didn't seem like they were praying. They were just kind of visiting. And a friend said um, he thought that was very interesting. Probably that's where they can go to socialize a bit. You know, if they're at home all day working, they can go to the mosque, meet their best friend or their mother or their sister, gossip a little bit, And their husbands can't really complain because they're being grateful because the husband doesn't know exactly what they're doing because everybody's segregated. And I thought that was a very interesting way of people to take a break and maybe even get away from a bad situation and no one can complain because they're at church, the mosque. 
Right. It's the that uh, where religion and community intersect. That's that's a great story. We're uh, uh, very grateful to have that here on on the program. That firsthand anecdote and firsthand account of that. Uh, we're just beyond uh, the uh, midpoint break. We're going to do that now. We're at seven thirty-five. But I thought that was a great uh, story, so I wanted to be uh, shared with the listeners. So. Undivided episode 24, Cultural Divide, will be back in a moment. Some upcoming show promotions for you here on the Life Coach Radio Networks and Family Networks. Enjoying Life on Purpose. That's Enjoying Life on Purpose with Kimberly Frazier as your host. Comes your way tomorrow night, Thursday, the 20th of June, 7 p.m. Eastern, Life Coach Chat Channel. Again, Enjoying Life on Purpose. Kimberly Frazier's show, her series, great show. If you haven't checked it out before, give it a shot. Life Coach Chat Channel tomorrow night, Thursday the 20th, 7 p.m. Eastern Live. Paul Garwood's show, Push Through. Paul was a guest on this program. Some of you may remember that. Sunday, June 23rd, 8 p.m. Eastern, Paul comes at you with a brand new episode of Push Through on Life Coach Chat Channel that's Sunday night. June 23rd, 8 p.m. Eastern, so the end of your weekend, maybe you go out, maybe you have a barbecue, maybe you do a couple of things with your neighbors. Sunday night, you're looking to unwind, as most people are unwind, listen to Paul's show. It's all about people that are going through mental illness, emotional distress, some type of psychological trauma, and how they've pushed through, hence the name of the show, and are turning their lives back around. And that's a great segue to... Uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, a spot that I do every week here on this program. If you or someone that you love is struggling with something, if you or someone that you work with or know or are friends with is just not themselves, they don't seem themselves, and you think this person needs to talk to somebody, please encourage them to call. If you are struggling with something in your life, you know, our, our show two weeks ago, uh, with Amy was uh, that aired the day after the Kate Spade tragedy. And in the two weeks since, we've had the tragic death of Anthony Bourdain by suicide as well. This is a real problem. This is a societal problem. And this could be helped through the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's 800 273 8255. Please call the number National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 800 273 8255, you matter. Every life is precious. Every life is created by God. Every life has a purpose. 800-273-8255, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. www.samaritanspurse.org to donate to a wonderful organization that works in the developing world. That's www.samaritanspurse.org. And now we're coming back here to our program. I'm going to open the phone lines. Audible.com is our sponsor. 646-716-9397. Again, 646-716-9397 is the phone number to call in with a question for Pam or myself or a comment or to share a story. 646-716-9397. Undivided show. That's undivided, S-H-O-W, at gmail.com if you'd rather email your questions. So we're back now, and we bridge to the point of our show, Pam, as we've discussed, called Bridging the Divide. It's the next segment of our show. So we've looked at the divide around cultural differences. We've explored the misperceptions and why they may or may not exist and why some people buy in and some people feel that way. How do we bridge the divide between people who, quote, unquote, buy into the notion that because we may be culturally different than someone else, we cannot live in true community or friendship with them? Well, the question becomes, do they want to, to bridge that gap? Are they interested in learning about other cultures? Um, personally, I think if someone invites you to do something or to have a different, say yes and try it before you decide. Um, I met two Italian girls while I was on a bus in Ireland and we were chatting and they said, if I came to Italy, I could stay with them for the weekend. So I did. And nice. they were millennials. 
it was great. So I stayed with them. I got invited to one of their family's lunch, Sunday afternoon lunch, and they fed me stuff. I have no idea what it was. Um, it was some kind of fish soup. I'm not crazy about fish. But this fish, it was like a cross between a shrimp and a perch. It was pretty big, if I remember correctly, five inches. And I had no idea how to eat it because I had a spoon, and it was in my soup, and it had a shell on it, and I had no clue what to do. And uh, so I just looked at the girl next to me, and I thought, okay, I'm a child. And I said, excuse me, how do you eat this? And they had a very good laugh because I had no idea what I was doing. And they were kind by me asking the question. She said, all right, you break off the head and then you suck all the juice out of the head, which I normally wouldn't do. And I just sipped my wine and did it like <laughs> she did and everything. And, and it was fine. And, but I had no idea what to do. And I thought, well, if I'm just like a child and just follow my pride and not pretend I know what I'm doing, just ask. People bent over backwards to help me. Bent over, and she taught me. Really? You know, she was a 28-year-old girl. She taught me like I was a child. Here, rip it like this and put your fingers here. And so, you know, we're all the same. We all eat. So say yes. Try something new. Life is amazing. That is great advice to people that are, are struggling with that uh that notion, or maybe people that have bought into it, it, a lot of times on this show, it comes back to having an open mind and being willing to open yourself up to different experiences um, and different connections. You know, if, if, if we become connected to somebody and we open our minds to share an experience with them, you know, whether it's um, something we do outside of work, hanging out or uh, something that tends to really go a long way in, in my own experience, what I've seen with people in changing those, that, that cultural lens that, you know, certain people see each other with and, and being more open to, to different experiences. So thank you for that, that answer. I appreciate that a lot. Um, what do you think needs to happen in this world to foster more unity uh, from a simply human perspective, again, as I mentioned before, you know, we could go the other route. It's not a political show. So from a simply human, not a political perspective, what do you think needs to happen in this world to foster more unity? Gosh, make friends with people who are different. That's where the interesting stuff happens. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. When I was in India, again, they have a saying that guests, is God. And that meant if you were a guest in their country, they were supposed to treat you so well, just like if God had showed up. And so wow. they went out of the, yeah. And it was funny because when I was in public, again, I looked like a Westerner. If I sat down for more than a minute, people started sitting next to me and bringing their children and putting them on my lap and taking pictures. And if I sat down for a couple of minutes, there would be a line for me of people who could take a picture of me and whoever they're with and then switch spots, me and their friends. Um, and that we can learn from that because it was so welcoming and open and made me feel special. And nobody cared about my political affiliations or my government. They cared about me as a person and making me feel welcome and making me feel like a part of everything. So get to know someone who's different. That's great. That's a, that, that is all part of uh, that, can, that one little thing, it seems simple, can go a long way. Uh, what experiences would you like to share from your background to our listeners so that our listeners could take them as real-world examples of unity uh, when it comes to cultural, religious, or ethnic differences. I know you shared earlier the story about the mosque, and I'm glad that you did. At that point, that was very powerful and uh, showing where religion and, and community intersect there. Um, and then also there was a gender piece to that too. You know, I understand the separation and 
between the two genders in the mosque. Uh, but what would you like to share from your background, whether it's from the exchange student experience, whether it's the time in the military, whether it's the time in, in your own travels, uh, examples of that unity uh, within those quote-unquote differences? You know, I was lost in every country I went to. I get lost easily. And people were so kind, even though they might not speak English, and I certainly didn't speak their language. I could, um, you know, use gestures and use words that I, I could and say, boost, bus, boost, rum, rum, rum. And people would say, oh, and they would, they would take time out of their day to lead me where I needed to go. For instance, in Serbia, um, Belgrade, the, the, the big city, and I was going to meet someone at a restaurant. I had no idea where I was. And they actually stopped what they were doing. The man didn't speak English. The woman did. But they stopped what they were doing and escorted me about a 20-minute walk to where I wanted to be. And he navigated and walked. And she and I spoke English. And in that 20 minutes, I learned what it was like to become a doctor in that, in that country. Um, and it's, it's interesting because Germany was really smart. And a lot of these people who graduated medical school couldn't get a job. There weren't enough. And Germany imported 75% of that graduating class that already had the education behind them. And they're going to be big taxpayers. And so, you know, Germany is able to overlook what country are you from? Let's import uh, these people that don't have jobs and put them on our tax rolls. Uh, it, it was very smart. But, um, you know, another, another time I had help, I was just sitting on a curb waiting for someone to buy the tickets to get into a museum. This was in Istanbul, Turkey. And a lady next to me who looks, you know, she has her hair covered and she's wearing older clothes. She's an older woman. She looks tired and worn. And she just takes her bag of sunflower seeds and has me hold out my hand and pour some in there so I have something to eat while I'm waiting too. We didn't even speak the language. All oh, the gestures. We have a call. I'm going to put the caller up right now. Okay. Caller, I'd ask uh, what's your name, where you're from, and if you can lower your, however you're listening to the show so we don't get any feedback, and what your question might be. So what's your name, where you're from, and your question? I'm hoping I'm the caller. I'm speaking. Hi. Yeah. Um, this is Beth. And I would just like to say, I'm from Ohio, I would like to say that I think the biggest thing about crossing a cultural divide is, first of all, smile and show that you're friendly. And secondly, I think if you take an interest in people and show them that you're interested, uh, make eye contact and uh, it, just be open that that does more than anything. But today I was in a fabric shop, and there was a lady, uh, several ladies, that were speaking another language that I didn't recognize. And when I finally got to the same place they were, I, you know, I smiled, and I didn't know if they spoke English, but I acknowledged them. And they didn't seem to be too receptive, but every time they would catch my eye, I would smile again. So finally, I heard a few words of English. So I said, I'm enjoying listening to speak, and would you mind telling me what language you're speaking? And they said they were from, one lady was from the Ivory Coast, two ladies were from Ghana, and uh, we struck up a conversation. They weren't real talkative at first, but they realized that I really was interested in where they were from, and it was just an amazing conversation after that. When we finally got to the counter to check out, um, the ladies didn't have a lot of money, so I finally used my technology to pull up coupons and, you know, share let them use my coupon. I only had a spool of thread, so I didn't need 20% off. So I got them 20% off on all their fabrics, and they were so grateful. So, you know, we shared names. The lady is a, does hair. She gave me her card. 
I'm not sure I'll do the braiding, but uh, it was a phenomenal experience. And so I've had three of those experiences so far today. And I just think it's wonderful to learn about other people. I think if your curiosity level is there and uh, you let that show, you're not afraid to approach people, that it does a lot. I, I like to travel. I like to represent the United States in a way that other people know that they may picture certain Americans in a certain light because, believe me, I've seen plenty of Americans that were rude or short with wait staff, uh, whatever. And, and they just represent, I think they represent this country in a horrible way. So whenever we travel, I try to make more than make up for that. And so far, it's really paid off for me. I've been very grateful to have had all the experiences all over the world that I've had. But um, but thanks for letting Thank me you, share Beth. that. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thanks for sharing. And I'm really enjoying the show. Thank you very well. Okay. Oh, thanks Thank so you. much. It means a Bye-bye. lot to me. Thank you very much, Beth. <laughs> Thank you to Beth for calling in. That was that was very cool, wasn't it, Pam? Yes, it was. And she makes such a good point about a smile. A smile can mm-hmm. cover everything if you don't speak the same language. And curiosity, genuine curiosity. Exactly. Sometimes it comes down to those very simple things. We we can have a tendency to overthink things. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it comes down to those those very simple things. And, you know, she had touched on curiosity. And you and I know from our coaching background, you know, being curious is a big part of that. What is the role of coaching or life coaching in helping people to discover their cultural uniqueness and to see those same qualities in other people? Well, sometimes it's just matter. It's just a matter of looking at things from different perspectives, or maybe perspectives you hadn't considered before. Um, it's kind of like we have a choice when we put on glasses about different lenses, and if we pick up a, a pair of glasses that have a pink lens, everything we look at is pink, and if we pick up a pair of glasses that have blue lens, everything looks blue. So we can change our perspective by changing the lenses about how we think of others. And again, going with that curiosity and open-mindedness, we can really change the way people think just by looking at other perspectives. Yes, it's always, you know, good to get back to coaching because of this is Life Coach Radio Network, and I always try and loop the show back to the role of coaching. When I have a guest on who's not a coach, I usually handle, you know, that part of the show. Uh, I also think, you know, as part of of coaching someone is to uh, really impress upon them that we're all unique and that we all have unique talents and that we could use those talents and those gifts that are given to us by God to help each other and to to really be there for one another because your strength might be my quote-unquote weakness or my deficiency. We can lift each other up. And by seeing those qualities in other people, I always try and look for the best in people and, and try and help them in the, the work that I do by building them up um, and, and helping them to understand that we can't all make it alone and that we have to, to seek help from others, but that we're all unique, whether it's you know, cultural, ethnic, or religious. We have a uniqueness to us, and, and that can be a really awesome way to, to to celebrate each other's lives. Uh, So now we're at the point of the show, we're at the common ground piece, uh, but I did have a couple of, um, before we transition into that, or maybe I will do that and then I'll come back to these. I had a couple of email questions, but they're more like quick hitters. So maybe we'll do that and then I'll ask you those. Um, Where can we find common ground as we always look to at the end of our show? We're at 754 here on the East, unbelievably. Uh, where can we find common ground to move forward with the goal of becoming more accepting of all of our cultural diversity? Well, you know, one of the ways we can find common ground is through the foods we eat. When we go to the local farmer's market, um, here in Charleston, I went to one, and there's a woman 
several women that were selling hummus. And they were obviously Muslim because of the way they dressed. And people weren't going to their table. I think they were nervous I, because they were unfamiliar. And again, that fear thing. And as soon as I went over and started chatting them up and tasting the hummus, all these other people came over and started tasting the hummus. And by the way, it was delicious. But, you know, if we see someone who's different, if we take the opportunity to greet them and smile and get to know them and chat and ask about how they made this hummus or why they're wearing the, the clothing that they're wearing, we can learn. And if we're curious, genuinely curious, people are so open and willing to teach and share. Um, the world is an amazing place, and most people are wonderful human beings. Sometimes we just have to give them a chance to show us how great they are. That is, it's a, that's a, an, an excellent you know, example of that. So thank you for sharing that because, you know, it, it turns back to what we were talking about earlier and just saying yes, you know, or being the first person to step up and, and try something to, you know, live in the present. You had mentioned that before about how, you know, certain cultures, they live one day at a time. Other cultures live one hour at a time. Some cultures like in Europe, they're planning for a week or a month ahead and in America, we're decades ahead. We miss the present because we're thinking mm -hmm. about the future and we are not living in the here and now. And that's something like in coaching we talk about, you know, being in present, being in the present moment and living for the now and being grateful for everything that we have you know, right now at this moment and to really center ourselves around that and be thankful for that. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I think it all ties together uh, really nicely. A couple of um, email questions, some quick hitters. Um, what country did you enjoy the most? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, I get that question a lot, and I find it so hard to answer because there were so many different uh, reasons I enjoyed countries. So the most beautiful country, I thought natural beauty was Switzerland. But a second, a second choice was Montenegro, absolutely beautiful nice. and, and cheap. I got an apartment overlooking the ocean for $12 a night. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But you know, when oh, you talk wow. about the most, the most resilient people are Nepal. They don't have a working government. They were in a civil war until several years ago. And yet they're so resilient. And then, you know, Zimbabwe, they have a dictator. What a difference that makes in how a country evolves. And so every mm -hmm. country, it was so different. But again, and Italy, the best food. But Turkey is right behind <laughs> Italy. They have great food, but nobody knows it. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, were you ever afraid while you were away in, in, in any of these countries and why? Um, most of my fear was from within fear of, Oh my God, how am I going to do this another day? I'm lonely or I'm tired or I don't know where I'm going. That kind of fear. There was one incident, um, incident when I was in Zimbabwe and I talked about, yeah, yeah, it's safe. It's going to be perfectly fine. And in the morning, about six in the morning, I heard a huge racket on my roof. It was a tin roof. And someone went running across it. And I heard all this yelling. And I jumped out of bed and I thought, we're being overrun. Um, it's such a poor country. I have more value in my backpack than most people owned. And so wow. I, was, I was so mad at myself because I had my stuff all strewn out. And I thought, I can never get it in the backpack fast enough to escape. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? I looked out the window to see what was going on. And I saw a tourist, a woman, brushing her teeth, walking along outside. And she didn't look scared at all. So it turns out it was a monkey running across. Someone had thrown a stone or something at They steal things. And it went oh, running wow. across my roof, but it sounded like a human because they're big. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was the fear I had, other than the fears from within myself. Um, yeah, that was it. I mean, nothing. I never got robbed. I never worried about being robbed. 
you know, of course it crossed my mind and, and I didn't splash money, but there was nothing like that. I was never afraid of other people. That's great. That's, that's a wonderful uh, testimonial. And the last one I had was what country do you still wish to visit or do you plan to visit? Oh my gosh. Um, everywhere I haven't been yet and some I'd like to go back to. I would love to go back to Africa because it's, it's mind-blowing. The things we worry about here have nothing to do with there. You can't even drive at night. I mean, you, you don't drive at night. You could hit a rhino, a giraffe, a lion, an elephant, a cow, because they don't have fences. So it's a good way of getting killed. And you can't leave your car if it breaks down for all those same animals that might eat you, your bottom of the, of the uh, pecking order. So um, there's lots I would go back to. There's none I wouldn't go back to. Um, you know, even people say now, well, wouldn't you be afraid to go to Turkey? I say, absolutely not. I would go tomorrow. Um, because the people everywhere, they're so genuinely good. They're good people. And they're just like us. They want to raise a family. They want safety. They want an education. They just want to be left alone to live. And that's how most of the world is, in my experience. That's, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I talked about that on a couple of shows. You know, I did did a couple of shows on unity. I did a solo show on healing. And I talked a lot about that, about how at the end of the day, you know, we as humans, uh, d- despite cultural uh, differences, if you will, all want those same things that you just mentioned. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we all just want to live. We don't, you know, people get mm-hmm. hung up in these labels and the media fear machine wants to make you believe, oh, if you go here, this could happen to you. And they, they want you to, to stay inside and be afraid of your own shadow. You're never going to mm-hmm. live that way and truly live. And it's amazing to me to circle back just uh, briefly to something you mentioned before. I can't believe that the number one thing that you got was if you had a gun in your home. That, to me, was was so shocking. I, I had underlined mm-hmm. it, and I meant to circle back to it. Like, that is so, oh, it's so upsetting, disturbing to me that, you know, the gun culture here has become to the point of, you know, that's that's the question you get when you're overseas. It's it's just absolutely unbelievable. It really is. Yeah, that's what we're known for. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> Great. Um, Pam, do you want to mention a couple of things about your coaching practice? I'd mentioned in the beginning uh, your coaching practice, Dare to Dream Bigger. The website is daretodreambigger.com. That's dare, the number two, dream bigger, all one word, dot, dot com. Excuse me. Do you want to mention some stuff about your coaching practice? Uh, any upcoming events, how we get in contact with you, that sort of thing? Uh, so I help smart and ambitious veterans transition from the military into business careers where they can really make an impact and help the company grow while satisfying themselves as well. So uh, I'm at daretodreambigger.com is the website. That's the number two, dare to dream bigger. I'm also on Facebook. And uh, if anyone has any questions or want to know more, they can call at 727-440-3700. Dare to Dream Bigger, 727-440-3700. Excellent. That's uh, how you reach Pam. Pam, thank you so much for coming on Undivided, for lending yourself to this conversation, for sharing your experiences, uh, all your travel experiences and experiences you had uh, really living in these places, you know, you didn't just travel and stay in hotels and stuff like that. You really experienced it by backpacking and living and going on the grassroots. And as I thank you for your service before, I've got to commend you for, for doing that. That took a lot of courage. And uh, that's certainly a lot of people hear that and say, oh, I don't know if I could do that, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, that takes a lot of courage to do. And uh, for sharing those experiences tonight for the listeners, I'm, I'm really grateful for that as well. Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. Thanks for your time. Uh, we're going to do a couple of uh, spots here and then close up for the night. Again, our show is brought to you by audible.com. That's audible.com, the sponsor of this program, Undivided, and all the programs here 
on the Life Coach Radio Network. And upcoming show promotion, Trina Ramsey will have a solo program. Remember I mentioned earlier, Sisters of the Diaspora comes your way tomorrow night. Trina Ramsey will have a solo show that will air Tuesday, June 25th. Again, that's Tuesday, June 25th, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. Trina Ramsey solo show Tuesday, June 25th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Life Coach chat channel. Brenda Baird. Brenda was a guest on this program. As most of you may recall, we spoke about barriers to the executive suite, both based on gender and on ethnicity. Uh, her new program airs Tuesday, the 25th, the same night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach Radio Network. That's Brenda Baird. Comes away. Many of her shows are on leadership in business and women's leadership in business, so check that out. Her show comes at you on the 25th. That's 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach Radio Network. Food for the Poor, that's www.foodforthepoor.org. Food for the Poor, great charity out of South Florida. Does work in the developing world, 800-427-9104. Again, 800-427-9104. As Pam was saying in tonight's show, you know, she had more in her backpack than some of these people have you know, in their lives uh, and some of the people in the whole town may have. It's important to keep that in mind. Please give from the heart. Give as your means allow. MAP International is another one great organization internationally. That's MAP, M-A-P, International, 800-225-8550, 800-225-8550, or go to www.map, that's M-A-P, as in Peter, .org, to donate to MAP International. You do some great work worldwide. My next show, as we talk about Wrapping up here on Undivided, Episode 24, The Cultural Divide. Uh, But before we get to that, I just want to say, you know, we've talked about this on the show before. Saying yes, being open, as the caller said, just smiling. Those are a few simple things that you can do to find common ground with other people. To bridge that gap, you know, if you think you're, you're disconnected from that, it just comes with taking that first step, doing something as simple as saying hello, doing something as simple as offering, you know, the analogy and the story, the anecdote that Pam gave about, you know, her time in, in Germany, you know, the woman giving her some food. You know, they don't even speak the same language. Little gestures like that can break down biases. Take that step and you'll be truly living undivided. So my next show coming your way Wednesday, July the 4th, 7 p.m. That's going to be a recorded show because of the holiday. So I'm going to be pre-recording that show. There will be no live callers. Uh, There will be no live emails. It's America, the individual versus community. Again, episode 25 undivided comes your way Wednesday, July 4th. America individual versus community. This has been episode number 24, The Cultural Divide. My thanks to Pam Winholtz for being our guest this evening. I'm your host, Frank J. Maduri. I thank you to the callers, to, to uh, Beth, who called in, to those who email questions in, for those who text me. I thank you to the listeners from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for supporting this show. And for Russ Terry, For Trina Ramsey, for Danica Treble, and everyone at the Life Coach Radio Network, I'm your host, Frank J. Maduri. This has been Undivided Episode 24. And until I see you guys again on the 4th of July on our nation's birthday, as always, be blessed and be well. (laughs) 